The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 898 for Monday, November 1st, 2021. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where we take your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found, all the things that you send in. We mix them with our own tips, cool stuff found, and sometimes even our own questions. We mash them all together into an agenda, and then we find our way through that agenda, tangentializing when necessary or when desired or when the mood strikes, all with the goal of every single one of us, me, John, you, us all learning at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include a few existing ones and a few new ones. Textexpander.com slash podcast where you can get 20% off your first year of Text Expander. Napjitsu.com slash MGG where you can save 30% off your first purchase. Coinbase.com slash MGG where you can get 10 bucks in free Bitcoin. And Imperfect Foods, where promo code MGG saves you 20% off your first four orders. We'll talk more about those later in a little while here. I guess later in a little while mean the same thing, don't they? For now, back here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, back from New York City or Manhattan, <laughs> which is what it really is, right? No. Uh this is John F. Braun. How are you today, Mr. John F. Braun? Uh, good, good. And it was good to see you. You so and I got to Dave see each other. Dave and I went to a wacky, a vaccinated event. And it actually, I think, I think they pulled it off. Yeah. See, it went, it went fairly well. I, um, and I, I think any events in New York City are vaccinated by by definition there, right? I, I, I'm not sure exactly of the laws or the rules or man, whatever it is, the guidelines, mm. whatever it is. It seemed like pretty much any place that you were going to walk into uh, in, in Manhattan required a vax. But yeah, we, you and I got to see each other. That was the first time you and I have seen each other in person in two years. I think. Yes. Well, just slightly less than two years because we were at CES together in January of 2020. And that, that was it, right? Prior to that or after that. Uh, this is the only time we've seen each other. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it was good. And we got, we have some, I have a couple of things from Pepcom to talk about, and there will be more things that we found at Pepcom. It was interesting. Uh, it felt as much like old home week at Pepcom as it did new product day. Um, and a, a big part of that, of course, was that none of us had seen each other in person in a while. But the other part was people didn't really have a lot of the new things that they are announcing because of supply chain issues. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was look at this cool thing that we will have in two weeks. Like it's it's almost here. And so. Uh, so, yeah, hey, Kenny in the uh, so it's interesting. Kenny in the chat room asked, did you prove your VAC status with an app or actual cards? I used a, a photocopy of my card uh, just because it was the the simplest thing in that specific moment for me. I saw everybody fumbling with the apps on their phone and I was like, I can just give you my card. And they're like, yeah, that's much, much better. But you you did use the app, right, John? Well, I used the uh, so you can get a, a, a VAX pass from clear. Right. So you upload your license, you upload your card, 
and then they do something and then you get a, a, a Vax pass that says, yep, yep, he's okay. You know, and it shows the dates and all that, which I guess the OCR of the card or whatever. Yeah. Are you in the, but, but I guess you upload the info and then they verify it. And then, yeah. So I just showed them that and they were like, uh, okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Eh. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I had it. I had set it all up on my phone, but it was just in that, like I said, in that specific moment, I've done it a few times at concerts and other things. And so it was just like, oh yeah, I don't need to, like, it wasn't in my wallet. I would have had to launch the app and tap. And it was like, dude, here's my card. And they're like, thanks. <laughs> Good to go. And then for CES, and I guess some of us are wondering if they're still going to do the whole thing. But um, uh, the Clear app has a venue section where you can say, okay, give me a pass for CES 2022. And right. it's like, okay. And like sports stadiums and, and all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure about CES. I, I, you know, we don't like to spread rumors here on this show and what I'm about to say definitely falls into that category. However, the various bits of information that I have heard uh, are that CES is uh, only the like expo space is only about 40% sold. Mm. And that like, at this time of year, that that is a hundred percent on any, any other year. And they are, I, I like I hear tell that that South Hall will not even be used for CES. They're consolidating a lot of things into the other halls. And and I hear that CES's uh, unveiled event, which is their pep, this Pepcom event that John and I go to. It's like speed dating for the press. It's kind of like going to a conference or a trade show, except nobody gets to build a big booth. Everybody gets a table of exactly the same size and it's in one much smaller expo type hall. It's really just a conference hall kind of thing and uh, super efficient because like there's not none of the glitz and none of the, 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 the mayhem. It's super easy to get from one table to the other. Cause you literally walk four feet and you're right there and everybody in attendance is press. So there's no, even if I like, if I come in halfway through John's conversation with somebody, it's totally relevant for me or, or some random person's conversation. It's totally relevant because a hundred percent of the attendees are pressed. Right. So it's super efficient. And it, it's why I bothered to go down to New York and, and do this. And honestly, it's the reason we go to Vegas too, for CES. We rarely go and get it. We rarely get a whole lot of value out of the show floor. It's like the, the, the bulk of the value comes from green, right. It comes from these, these events like Pepcom, but there's Pepcom show, show stoppers. And then there's this, um, uh, event that CES has called unveiled. All of them are the same, similar in, in design. As I just explained, I have heard John that CES is not letting you not giving you the opportunity to buy space at unveiled unless you are already buying space on the show floor. Um, mm. And that is new for this year. So lots of factors telling us that CES is not a guarantee is what I'm, what I'm saying here. So we'll see. We'll see. So there you go. And I apologize if I am sharing incorrect information, but it all seems to all of the things I just shared with you came from multiple different sources and they all kind of seem to be sending the same general message. Like, hmm, we don't know. Mm. <laughs> like they're still trying to figure it out. I hope they can. I, I think this is an acceleration of what was naturally happening at CES anyway. So much of it over the last decade has moved like so much of the value of it has moved out of the expo halls into 
you know, meeting rooms and like these press events I mentioned and, uh, you know, events and things like that that happen because CES is in town and or CES is happening, which which is the gravity that brings everybody to town. I hope they can continue to provide that gravity for us all so that these other things can happen. And I'm sure I don't know this, but I'm going to guess that the Pepcoms and the showstoppers of the world kick some money up to CES uh, in order to happen during that week. And so if they need to kick more up to allow these events to happen or whatever, you know, that calculus is, I hope that they can make an event like an in-person experience like this happen. Even if the show floor is not the value that it used to be perceived to be. So, because I, I think, I, I don't think this is just a COVID thing. I think this is an acceleration of, yeah, we don't, what's the value? Like exhibitors asking the question, what's the value in being on the show floor? None. What's the value in being in Vegas when everybody else is there? Tons. So, you know, there you go. But we have a lot to talk about here, John. I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts on this or is it time to move on? No, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Macworld. That's exactly. kind of lost its relevance. Um, and personally, when I went there, I never went to the booths of the big, big shots. Right. I wanted to find the the small little nuggets of value like they had this place that you know some call tiny town that was where i got most of the material that i would write about because those were the the to me the true innovators the people that you know could scrape together enough money to get kind of a booth you're right (laughs) it was almost like in retrospect kind of putting it all together it was almost like a little pepcom style thing Mm -hmm. in the middle of the Macworld show floor because everybody had the same size booth and there was no glitz and glamour. You just moved around and could talk and it was great. Yeah. I agree with you. Tiny town. Yeah. It was awesome. I loved it. All right. All right. Uh, quick, quick. We have quick tips quick now. <laughs> uh, so I, and we will talk about my new MacBook pro, which the 14 inch, which arrived. Uh, I'll talk about that a little later in the show, but uh, I needed to, Uh, I need to repurpose my M1 Air for uh, my daughter. It's time for her to get a new computer. She's got a 2015 MacBook Pro that she has loved and has used, but it's time for to upgrade things. And she's uh, heading off on a trip to Europe in December and so to Italy. And so uh, we figured we should do that before. So I thought, well, okay, my M1 Air, like it's less than a year old. That's your new machine. Perfect. We've got it in the house. We don't have to wait for anything to arrive. We'll migrate it over. So I'm, of course, migrated everything from my M1 Air to my M1 MacBook Pro, or my M1 Pro MacBook Pro. They're going to make this difficult on us. And uh, and then I needed to do the whole wipe the machine, nuke and pave, get it ready for a new user. And then I remembered that macOS Monterey has an erase all contents and settings option, and it's sort of hidden in system preferences. In fact. I had to go look up the uh, knowledge base article to remember where to find it. But in Monterey, if you go into uh, system preferences and you go to the system preferences menu at the top of the screen, the one to the very right of the Apple menu, you will then see erase all contents and settings. And this is available in Monterey on all Macs that either have an M1 style chip and or or a T2 security chip in there, right? So it's not in everything, but I will tell you, this made life 
so super simple. It, uh, you know, I chose it. It asked me about 15 times in different ways. Are you sure? Because once we do this, you know, it's over. And uh, and it acted just like iOS does when you do the same thing, when you go to, you know, settings, general reset, erase all contents and settings. And it it wiped it out. It rebooted the machine. It took all of about four minutes. And then, uh, you know, it's at the startup screen showing me hello in, in all the different languages. And uh, presumably I'll be able to just, you know, plow through. Didn't have to do a nuke. Didn't have to do a pave. Didn't have to do a reinstall. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. And I I think a big part of of why this works is because of the bifurcated um, system and user volumes, right? That make up what we think of as our main disc, because all you got to do is blow away the user volume, create a new one. The system volume stays the same. Maybe they clean out system extensions. I'm hoping they do uh, that have been moved over there. And then that's the end of that. And it just blow it away and up you come. And there's no, nothing you got to worry about. You've got a clean system and now you have a clean user volume. So uh, I will follow up if, there's any surprises when we migrate my daughter's um, MacBook Pro over to this with migration assistant, which is, I think, how we'll do it uh, just in the interest of time. But uh, but yeah, so that, that's my first quick tip of the day. I don't know. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I was pretty stoked about it. I was pretty stoked. I remembered I could do that because, you know, that's sort of how it goes. You got a quick tip from Scott, John? Yes, so here's a good one. So uh, Scott says, one of the most agitating aspects of iOS's mail uh, app has been the difficulty in opening an individual email in a separate window. Given the small size of some screens, like Dave's iPad mini, the ability to do this becomes really important. Now in iOS 15, it's as simple as doing a tap and hold on the message. So if you tap and hold, it reveals a contextual menu that offers various reply, reply all, blah, 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 blah. But they have a new selection apparently now that says open in new window. And it does just that. I've attached a screenshot to show what I mean. But trying it on any iPad updated iOS 15 will demonstrate the same thing. I use this a lot now as it maximizes the screen space allocated to a single email, making it much easier to read. Um, and just to clarify on this, so so when when this one came in, I had my iPhone and I'm like, oh, let me try it on my iPhone. Um, this is uh, this is iPad OS only. It does not. Uh, the iPhone doesn't offer this option, probably because the screen is so small, so it wouldn't really make any difference. Well, you, you get mail messages full screen on an iPhone. Yes. Anyway, so, right. You don't so that's have default behavior. Yeah. So, so this is how to kind of coerce uh ipad os to uh to do the same thing for you exactly yeah yeah i i had no idea about this so this i mean this is what we love about quick tips right that's how mm -hmm. it's how it goes all right uh let's see listener john has a quick tip uh about the new macbook quick tips about the new macbook pros he says uh first an interesting note that seems to have been glossed over in coverage on the new uh, M1 Pro and M1 Max MacBook Pros, the number of Thunderbolt controllers. I just got my 14-inch via work, and I was going through system reports only to find that unlike the previous generation, which had uh, four T3 ports, two on each side, the new machines have three T4 ports, that's correct, uh, two on the left, one on the right, 
The most interesting part is that the old version had one Thunderbolt controller per side. So one Thunderbolt controller for the left two ports, one for the right two ports. Correct. Uh, and I think that's the case on like your 16 inch MacBook Pro, John. He says these new MacBook, these new machines have three controllers. Oh, each of the three Thunderbolt four ports can do full 40 gigabits per second band bandwidth. Mm. Uh, yeah. I had no, I, this is the, see, this is why we do this show. Even though I have one of these machines, I just didn't notice that there's so many things. So that's one. Uh, he says, this is the first time that I have migrated from, from an M one to an M one machine. Okay. He had an M one mini that he migrated to his MacBook pro and it brought up two more quick tips that he was previously unaware of. Target disc mode has been eliminated on the M one machines in favor of disc sharing. And, and he's right about this. Disk sharing is accessed from the recovery console tools menu and it shares over the network. Uh, and I think it can go over a Thunderbolt network too, but, and, and ethernet, but it, you know, it is, it is, um, it's not target disk mode. It's not turning your Mac into a, uh, expensive hard and expensive hard disk case. It's turning it into an expensive file server. So Yes. There's that. But that means like reformatting the disk is not doable like it was in target disk mode. Right. So th there are some limitations, but it for what most of us use target disk mode for most of the time, it suffices. Uh, number two, he says, I was unable to use the new disk sharing mode for migration assistant, and I still don't know why it wouldn't see it. But I did find out that when you connect two M1 machines or maybe it's just Mac OS 11 plus via a Thunderbolt cable and run migration assistant on both. It will automatically set up a 40 gigabit network connection between the machines and show that it's prioritizing the Thunderbolt connection over any other network connection because it'll say connected via Thunderbolt. This is very much a uh, Thunderbolt Mac uh, thing, not an M1 only thing. So and he says that, of course, made migration super simple. Yeah, when I did mine, uh, I and, and this, again, is is not exclusive to the M1. I migrated from, as I said, from my M1 Air to my M1 Pro MacBook Pro. And uh, I started it over Wi-Fi because that was the easiest way to, you know, get Migration Assistant all synced up. And then mm -hmm. I I did two things. First of all, I plugged a Thunderbolt cable, a power cable into, uh, actually I plugged a power cable into the MagSafe port uh, on, the, on the MacBook Pro. And then I connected a Thunderbolt 3 cable between the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air. And that allowed for two things, John. Number one was that I could, it, the transfer automatically jumped from, it started on Wi-Fi, it jumped to Thunderbolt as soon as that connection was there, so it's seamless. And number two, it passed power along that. So I had MagSafe to my MacBook Pro, Thunderbolt from the MacBook Pro to the MacBook Air, and the MacBook Pro was passing power through, keeping both machines charged, which is pretty cool. So... Nice. So, yeah. And that, again, that's not exclusive to the M ones. I've done that with the, with the old ones too. So. Yep. It's, yeah. Uh, what it's did good. I do for my last migration? I think I did Thunderbolt. Yeah, yeah. And I used an adapter. Yeah. It goes fast. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you use, if you go from Thunderbolt two to Thunderbolt three, you have to use Apple's adapter. That's the only one that's bi-directional. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. All right, uh, you got a quick tip from David? Uh, David has something. So uh, David is uh, just wants to remind us that in reminders, you can not only set a date time, but a geofence arriving and leaving 
remind me when, as well as when messaging a person, remind me when I message a person in iMessage. Um, and uh, I've I've tried other task tools, but for me, I never really found that the one killer feature that reminders didn't provide. Mm. Uh, I also have a lot of notes, calendars, and reminders shared amongst family members, and um, getting them to use anything with what comes with their phone just isn't going to happen. So that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you, David. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. I, yeah, I like the this geofencing, and of course now with, I mean that's of course on your iPhone, and and we've had the ability to geofence and shortcuts for a while, but we do get shortcuts in macOS Monterey, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We've got we've got some of our own quick tips, Monterey specific quick tips. Although it seems like the quick tips today have included a few of those already, which is excellent. Yeah, uh, I got to say I'm tickled by the AirTag. Uh, the new functionality in the AirTag. So I have one in my car and I have one on my keychain, and I just get tickled because um, iOS 15 now with uh, an AirTag. Uh, so I got an alert basically saying, oh, you left your Saturn behind. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, thank you. That's great. Yeah, so they kind of do a geofencing thing too. Right. Yeah, proximity fencing, I guess is mm-hmm. probably the way to look at it. Yeah. I, uh, when I got to your house, I parked on the street. You weren't back yet. Cause mm-hmm. we were getting our sushi and, uh, I walked to your back porch and I had left mm-hmm. my iPad mini, the new iPad mini in the car. And I got a mm-hmm. disconnection alert from that saying, uh, you know, you've detached from your iPad mini, no air tag on it. That's just the iPad mini doing its thing all by itself, which is pretty cool. Right. Because it has GPS. no. It does not. What? I have a Wi-Fi only iPad mini. Really? It, that's what I'm saying. It Like the AirPad, AirTags don't have GPS either, right? They have Bluetooth. That's it. Right. But Same thing in the iPad mini. It's doing its own. It's essentially an AirTag. Without. Huh. Yeah. Because we had someone write in a while ago saying that it didn't work. Or I've even looked by Wi-Fi only devices. When they show up in Find My, it doesn't provide, it, it says not available for that. So, wow. Huh. Yeah. Warren in the chat room is saying that it will say you left it behind if you put it in your car with you. That that was not my experience. I drove for um, three hours with it in my car with me and never got that notification. However, hmm. when, uh, and I stopped for gas once. But I was wasn't far from the car, right? It was all right there. But as soon as I went to your backyard, um, it the the iPad Mini started report or my phone started reporting that the iPad Mini was detached. So hmm. I, maybe this was just an anomaly, um, but I don't think so. I, I well, I'll, we'll have to do some testing. So there you go. Yeah. All right, uh, Andrew has our final. Of the this segment of quick tips, I think we'll have more. Uh, he says, uh, I've been having problems with my active window changing every few seconds since I updated to macOS Monterey. It was driving me crazy. And then I figured out what it was. It turns out that Clean My Mac's menu bar app is apparently randomly crashing. If I quit it, everything is fine. And uh, he says, I called support for Clean My Mac. And they told me, uninstall, clean my Mac, reinstall it, and the problem will be fixed. He says they were correct. So if you are seeing that hmm. now that you've upgraded to Monterey, just uninstall and reinstall, clean my Mac, and you should be totally fine. So, ah, all right, good stuff. Anything more on that, or should we uh, should we move on here? Um, 
moving I, on. I'd like to tell them about our, our first two sponsors, if that works oh, for you. Oh, me too. All right. Hey, look, cryptocurrency might feel like a secret or exclusive club, right? Well, our sponsor Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door. So whether you've been trading for years or just getting started, Coinbase can help. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and even a mobile app so that you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. I've been using Coinbase for a very long time, and they make it super easy, super simple. They explain everything. It's super secure. It's something I've trusted for a very long time, and I feel very comfortable sharing this here with you. And it's not just me, right? Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. So whether you're looking to just diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. And for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at Coinbase.com slash MG. Make sure to use our special URL. Sign up at Coinbase.com slash MGG for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. Again, our special URL, Coinbase.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Coinbase for sponsoring this episode. All right, Dave. Holidays are right around the corner. If you want help prepping for your parties and your family get-togethers, all while supporting a more sustainable local food system, check out Imperfect Foods. Imperfect Foods is a grocery delivery service offering an entire line of sustainable groceries that taste delicious and reduce waste. Make a difference in our food system. Embrace the natural imperfections and get your groceries delivered weekly with Imperfect Foods. Visit imperfectfoods.com to see if they deliver to your area. Once you sign up, you can personalize your weekly grocery order with fresh seasonal produce, pantry stables, and yummy snacks. Plus, your order will arrive on the same day each week. Imperfect Foods delivers weekly by neighborhood, a unique model that produces 25 to 75% fewer emissions than individual trips to the grocery store. And I got to say, Dave, my personal experience, I didn't get anything that was imperfect. Everything was fine. And it was a huge variety of stuff that I was able to get. Uh, Grass-fed beef, Smoked salmon, uh, salad kits, which I like, bacon, uncured bacon ends. We love bacon. I like bacon because everybody loves bacon. Everybody loves bacon. Um, and also the snacks were really good, too. So I, I, I stocked up on those. So you got to check this out. Right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com and use promo code MGG. Again, 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com when you use promo code MGG. Imperfectfoods.com and use MGG. Sweet. And our thanks to Imperfect Foods for sponsoring this episode. All right. Nicely done, Mr. John F. Braun. Uh, oh. let's, let's go to some uh, let's go to some quick tips. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, Monterey. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can focus on Monterey for a few minutes here. The quick note feature in Monterey is one that if I had not read the release notes, I don't think I would well, have remembered was there. Can, can we back up a bit? Yes. Did you have any issues? Because I want to mention some minor screw ups, but some minor weird things. Though, though I must say, the Wait, upgrade... is this with the quick note thing? Because I just I want to make sure we finish that thought. So, OK, right, yeah, yeah. The, the, with, the, with uh, Monterey, you can move your mouse to the bottom right corner of your screen 
and it pops up a little note thing that you can just type a note into. It's super handy. And uh, I, like I'm finding myself using notes more and more and Evernote less and less. In fact, I hmm. it, I'm living in both worlds right now. And it's kind of a, 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 a it's weird because I have some things in Evernote. It's not just Mac Geek Hub I have in Evernote. I have a lot of other stuff there. But I find myself using notes more and more because Apple makes it so convenient to just start typing a note, right? Like if you have an iPad with an Apple Pencil, you just tap the Apple Pencil on the screen and boom, you're typing a note like that. So like they're doing a good thing with this. I, I like it. So but you said you had some problems getting Monterey. Uh, well, also, I think quick note you can bring up. Is it function Q? Oh, I don't know. I don't have Monterey on the I'm studio. Sure. Mac no, yet, it's a, so. it's a function key. I think it's function Q will also bring up a quick note. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Huh. All right. I'll verify that. Yeah. 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 Let's see. Uh, Function Q. Absolutely correct, folks. I just tried it on my MacBook Pro here. Oh, very nice. Function. So I tried that too. Q. See, there you go. All right. Good. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Yeah. I had the. So I don't know if you had any problems, but I, you know, I wanted to start off with that. But the, no. the only weird things that happened, Dave, was um, I got legacy system extension warnings. Oh, sure. I mean, that's normal when you upgrade the OS, right? One was for Oracle, which is Java, of course. And the other yeah. was a Parallels component. So I may have to update Parallels on this machine. Sure. Um, the other thing is I got a weird Mac OS server warning. And it doesn't look like they've upgraded macOS server for Monterey yet. I wasn't able to find it. When I found it in the App Store and clicked on it, it's like, uh, nope. Huh. Interesting. Just a warning for people. If you rely on server, I mean, server is a shadow of its former self right now. It only really does device management. So right. it may not be a big deal to you, but if it is... Uh, Careful. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. No, people in the developer forums are agreeing with you here that uh, there is no no server for macOS Monterey yet. Um, I would assume it's coming, but I, I mean, it's possible it hasn't. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Minor one minor thing that caught my eye. Um, Time Machine shows progress in a different format and now says XX of X percent done and the amount of data copied. Um, oh, that's different from that. what happened before. But I don't know why they changed it. But again, I just noticed that I'm like, wait, that's different. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. So it may make you feel, it may make you feel better about the progress of the backup. Because sometimes I find it just sits there for for a long time grinding on something. And I'm like, what's it doing? Right, 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 right. Interesting. Oh, I hadn't, I'll have to check that out. That's yeah, that's good. Um, this whole shared with you thing in, uh, Monterey is, has been interesting. I launched photos and looked in the, if you look in the sidebar of photos, you will see a section called shared with you. And it will list all of the things, albums and other such things that have been shared with you. It doesn't have to be just since you installed Monterey, uh, though, obviously, it will, it will show new things, too. But this showed old things. And you can find this in other apps as well. So, you know, check out if people have 
have shared. It, it's essentially things that people have shared with you with messages that are destined for other apps. So of course, things like, you know, Apple TV shows and things like that can can all sort of show up as these shared with you things. So we'd love to hear from you where you're finding this feedback at MacKeyKeb.com. Obviously, you can send a you can send us anything, but but that too. Yeah, you could send us a note or a photo or something. Uh, feedback at MacKeyKeb.com. Feedback at MacKeyKeb.com. It is. What else did you notice, Mr. Braun, John F. Braun? Um. I was really excited, Dave, when they showed this universal control feature where you could um, basically drag your uh, it's like Sidecar Plus. Um, And that supposedly you're able to drag a window from your Mac over to your iDevice. And I was like, okay, let me try it. Uh, Nope. No, no, not in Monterey. So it's coming, folks. But here's the other disappointment. Um, remember when there was an explicit entry in the, the system preferences for sidecar, Dave? It's it's not there anymore. I'm like, where did it go? Can oh. I still do this? Uh, they, they buried it in, back into a display, uh, oh. from what I recall. Okay. Yeah, so if you go to display on your Mac, then there's a, a thing saying, oh, do, do you want to also send this stuff over to your iPad? Sure. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Right. Cause it's, it, it, it makes it, it is a display feature. It, I, like I understand yeah. why when it was new, well, that's why I looked there. I was like, right. you know, where would they put it? If they put it in? or no, you know what I think I did? I think I went to, so there's a search feature in system preferences. And I think I typed in sidecar and it highlighted display. So it kind of gave me a hint. It's like, yeah, look at look over here. Look there. That's one of the thing that that's a great quick tip in and of itself using search and system mm-hmm. preferences, because it'll do exactly that. If you're looking for something like I was looking for power nap on my uh, on on my M1 air. And oh, well, that's an energy saver. Oh, well, oh, wait. you would there think no that energy saver. <laughs> um, you, well, even when there was enter- energy saver, power nap does not exist as a toggleable function. On the M, the M1 based machines, and uh, that so now if I search for power nap on my M1 MacBook Pro, which I have in front of me, it highlights battery. So okay, great. I go to battery. There is nothing in there about power nap. I have zero options to control a feature called power nap. But somehow, it the search is finding it. Uh, and saying that it would be in battery if, in fact, you had a Mac that supported it. So it's a little little misleading, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, there you go. So. Yeah, ah, the next one. So um, the, this was a feature that I think a lot of people were looking for, and we actually had a question um, in the past. I think our friend Scott asked this, and it's like, how do you AirPlay to your Mac? And uh, here's the good news, is that Monterey, it... It's just there. Yeah, you don't know third-party stuff. They all got Sherlocked. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I basically, I took my iPhone, went to iTunes. I have some music on my iPhone, but not a lot. Sure. And then clicked on the, you know, the little icon, like the little triangle. I don't know what they call it. Choose choose a speaker icon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it just showed MacBook Pro there. And I'm like, okay. And then the, the music came flowing for my MacBook Pro. So, um, that's a feature that I think a lot of people will, uh, will enjoy. And it's not just audio. You can, 
AirPlay video to your uh, Mac, your Monterey Mac Ooh. screen too, right? Oh, so I if didn't you try that, if you've got a oh. big, you know, twenty-seven inch iMac or whatever, and you want to, mm-hmm. you know, blast your uh, video over to it, like it works just the same as it would with your TV. It's great. Yeah, it works really well. But oh, also okay. good for demos and things like that, right? AirPlay to the screen, mm-hmm. and now everybody can see it. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. If you are a homebrew user and you have upgraded to Monterey. Go to the terminal and type brew space upgrade to make sure you have all the latest packages. Now, any new packages it downloads, uh, it will download the Monterey specific uh, package if if it's available. But for your existing packages, it will not change those. You will still have the, uh, you know, the big Sur package uh, and which really shouldn't be a problem. Uh, I haven't run into a problem with any of those, but. If you want to upgrade a package that's existing uh, to the Monterey version, again, assuming a Monterey version exists for the package, type brew reinstall uh, and then the package name, and it will force a reinstallation of that. And of course, in the process, if a Monterey version is available, it'll download it. If not, it'll grab the Big Sur version and put that on there and you'll probably have no issues. But definitely, at the very least, go to your terminal and do a brew upgrade, um, and which is something that's good to do, honestly, like once a week. I have done brew upgrades where I do a brew upgrade. It takes, you know, whatever, 10 minutes to go through and upgrade all the things. And then if I do it immediately afterwards, there will be yet another new package. Like things are updated in homebrew constantly. So I try to do it about once a week. I don't obsess over it, but I also don't like to let things get too far behind. So, yeah, it is good. Uh, what else do we have here, John? We have, um, oh, the, the on the privacy front, mail privacy protection and iCloud private relay are now uh, uh, features you can use in Monterey. I've been having a weird thing with email where it's not loading remote images on my MacBook Pro. And I I guess maybe I just need to Mm. look at the email settings to do that. Uh, But it's been a little weird because uh, like... Now, both of these are in iCloud, right? So you have to go to your iCloud settings. Then I think private relay and mail privacy protection are... Two additional choices now, right? I think that private relay definitely is there. Um, yes. I I don't um, I don't know that mails relay is there. I'm I'm not seeing it. Oh wait, no, there is hide my email. Uh, right, but but that's different, right? Hide my email is the go get me a a separate email address. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, which is all, uh, another privacy feature, which is great, right? But uh, I think for the mail, uh, let's see, where is that? Maybe somebody in the chat room will will, um, will hip us to okay. it. Oh no, it's in the people in the right. It's in the private. It's in mail preferences privacy, and you have okay. the protect mail activity. Uh, and then it explains that it, it works by hiding your IP address and loading remote content privately in the background. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, you're right. iCloud private relay is in system preferences. iCloud mails privacy protection is in mail system preferences. Oh, sorry. Mail preferences privacy. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure why it's not loading remote images, but it is, it is not. Hmm. Yeah. 
It should be. Yeah, I noticed one thing in mail is that it now puts up. So when I was when I was going through our queue, when I replied to somebody, it now shows a little reply arrow. I don't think it did that before. It it did for me. I mean, it's else. You mean after you reply? Right. Yeah, it should. It that's been there for a while. The reply arrow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It might uh, it, but it, the layout might be different. It might just be something that 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 now is more obvious to you. You, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's in a oh, okay. different spot or something. Um. Yeah. And then, um, and then we get shortcuts, uh, as we mentioned before, which is, I, I mean, I haven't messed around with shortcuts on Mac OS a ton, but it like, they're there I, really th- one of the big things for me is focus being able to have focus synced between my devices. If I set a focus mode on my phone, uh, in like manually or automatically, like my sleep focus comes up on my MacBook Pro now. It comes up. Well, I assume it comes up in hmm. the Mac Mini in the office. I haven't been there. Uh, that, as I said before, that may very well be the reason that I wind up upgrading this machine in the studio to Monterey sooner rather than later, so that I can have the my podcasting focus that only lets messages from certain people in uh, while I'm here doing the podcast, and I could even have that kick in automatically with a shortcut. And so, like, there's some there's some fun stuff. So anyway. All right. Shall we uh, see if we can do a few cool stuffs found, my friend? Yes. And uh, thanks to Gary. Here's our first one, um, which is cool. Um, I think so. This free web tool is a fast and easy way to remove objects from images. Um, it's it's called. And it's called Cleanup Pictures. So and that's the and, URL. And I, right? I went to the web page and looked and you know they show a little demo and basically have a picture and then you you scrub over what you want taken out and it takes it out that's pretty cool so it's nice that it's free i i'm pretty sure you 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 like pixelmator right dave i do yep i'm almost certain that that has a feature to do that as does probably photoshop and, and yeah most other high-end imaging programs but hey for something quick and dirty that's that's kind of cool that's pretty cool yeah there's some there's a bunch of iphone apps in fact to you you know that will do this for you um but yeah this is the and the url is just cleanup.pictures like that's it and you just upload your image there and away you go so i haven't looked at their privacy policy like are they are they um they, they don't seem to talk about that so i'm not sure if they're keeping your pictures but um, and doing anything with it. Let's see. Clip cleanup pictures have been built by the engineering team at ClipDrop, and it is open source under the Apache license 2.0. It uses Llama, L-A-M-A, an open source model from Samsung's AI lab to automatically and accurately redraw the areas that you delete. Pretty cool. All right. I like it. Fun. Um, John, I got a weird email this morning. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I was asleep when it came in as I believe was my wife, although, you know, anything could be possible at three Oh one AM. I got an email from Amazon saying as requested, your HP laser jet 3055 is now connected to the a lady. And uh, this email confirms that your printer was connected. Oh, I see it was connected on ten twenty eight. Okay. So I forced 
the A lady to do a devices scan. We were having problems with one of our smart plugs. And so I factory reset it and it's all fine now. And I had to reintegrate it into the, into the A lady. Okay. So this just, this is an email that, that came in days later, but evidently during that scan, it noticed my printer and it says with your printer connected to the A lady, you can print a variety of content such as shopping lists and crossword puzzles with your voice. This will uh, you can also have it notify you when you are running low on ink or toner, and you can even set up smart reorders to automatically place an ink or toner order from Amazon, so you never run out. To manage your printer settings, go to the A Lady app and find your printer under the devices menu. So there you go. I had no idea that this was even possible, and I'll have to look to see if my. Uh, Newer printer, my Lexmark here in the office is connected because that's the old laser jet I had in the office and moved to the house. But um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's a cool no, stuff. To I'm found. almost certain. Yeah, I'm looking through my email now. Yeah. yeah but I, I thought I got something similar. Yeah. It was something about Alexa and my printer. And I'm like, why am I getting this? Yeah. So. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? Yeah. So anyway. Check your uh, check your a lady app and look in devices printers and see see what's there. Uh, Kenny, speaking of Amazon products, Kenny alerts us that Eero six point five came out uh, in October, and it adds a few things. One of which is very specific for Apple users and addresses an issue we were having, and that is it fixed an issue where Apple clients failed to connect with WPA three. If you'll remember, we tested WPA3 on Eero, I don't know, months, maybe even a year ago, and devices would not roam well, uh, and that's being kind. That issue has now been fixed, so you can go into your Eros and turn on WPA3 now and, uh, and you know, experience the, the luscious joy of, of WPA3 <laughs> protection. So they also add, I mean, it, you know, they as always, they're fixing stability or adding stability stuff. They added some roaming improvements with 802.11v and K, which may be part of that WPA3 uh, fix. And then they also added uh, DFS channel support on the Wi-Fi 6 Eros so that you can use those if you're in an area where you can use those. So, yeah, it is good news. All right. Yeah, I switched that on a couple of weeks ago and yeah, everything seems to work now. Excellent. Ah, nicely done. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Yeah, it was it was it, it started rolling out the date on the the release notes is October 4th. But Eero is weird, like it, it they don't roll out to everyone all at once. And I think that's to both manage server flow, but also customer support. If there is some issue, they don't just suddenly want everyone to have it right. They want to be able to compartmentalize and a B test and be like, ah, oh, wait, wait, wait. We're not getting calls from people in that group. We have a problem here. So it's good. Um. I got a lot of toys last week, John. My AirPods Gen 3 showed up. They look very similar to my original AirPods, a little bit different. They work a whole lot differently, though. Uh, these may become my new favorite AirPods, John. I have the AirPods OG, the original ones, uh, that I mainly only use in the office for phone calls, but their batteries are getting so low that they're not even functional for that. I have the AirPods Pro, which I tend to travel with um but the uh but you know they seal things out so they are a very specific use case the airpods gen 3 are essentially the airpods pro but 
with with the seal the seal taken out of them so you don't get noise cancellation or anything like that for obvious reasons uh, you would need seal to do those or at least to do those effectively but the uh spatial audio with these is fantastic because you really can get a wonderful experience while still being connected to the outside world which is you know for a lot of things great i really like phone calls better when I can hear the room that I'm in as opposed to being sealed off from the room. Yes. The AirPods pro have transparency and I, I leverage that greatly when I'm using them for phone calls uh, because otherwise I can't hear myself and that gets weird. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So I'm stoked about these. And of course they, um, they, you know, they have the MagSafe and all that stuff to charge with. So in fact, I will put them on the MagSafe charger behind me and it should light up. Yeah. There it goes. Uh, not MagSafe. Sorry. Just Chi, not MagSafe. Um, gee, I get these things confused, John. I don't know why. That's okay. Um, and as you reminded me, the Apple watch is a proprietary. Yeah. Charging surface, right? Yeah. I did not bring my Apple watch charger down uh, on my trip with me. So, and since you aren't an Apple watch user, I had to manage my battery very, very carefully in order to make it home after two days with it but yeah it yeah. is chi i mean there's some um like it, it's chi at some level but but not at a level like inductive of, so it's inductive charging of correct some sort, correct yeah not compatible with not the other i've never been able to make it work on a you know a standard chi surface nor have i been able to make other chi devices work on the apple watch you know puck charger or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah it's no bueno uh but, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, the, uh, I want to remind everybody of live.macgeekup.com, which is where you can go while we are recording this, uh, these shows and chat with all the other Mac Geek Up listeners. And the reason I remind you of that is I happen to glance at the chat room and I see a, a related but separate conversation happening, which is amazing. And like that's, that's what it's for. Certainly, you know, we, we keep a lazy eye on it to make sure that, you know, if, if we're missing something, you folks are there to catch us, which is awesome. But also, it's just a place to hang out with other members of the Mac Geek Cab family and help each other and geek out and all that good stuff. It's great. John, I um, I had the – at Pepcom, I had the opportunity to check out uh, a few uh, – well, over the last week, including at Pepcom, Pepcom, I've had the opportunity to check out a few different uh, AirTags cases. And uh, the first one I want to talk about is from Catalyst. And it is their AirTag clip-it case. And so you it unscrews, the, the case does, and you drop an AirTag into it. Uh, and then, you know, it just pops in. It's got a little um, rubber shield to keep it from getting scratched up. And then, you, and anybody that's watching the video will see this, but uh, I'll explain it too. And you, it, so it seals, it, well, it doesn't seal. It locks the AirTag tightly in this little case that's about a piece of plastic that's about the size of the AirTag. And then it has a clip that goes over the bottom of it that snaps shut and uh, you can hear it snap shut. That allows it to go on. They say dog collars. They show a picture of it on uh, a child's shoelaces. But of course, you could put it on like your backpack or something like that. And it it, you know. I guess if you want to track your dog or your kid, this is a perfect way to do it. But also if you want to track your own stuff, if it's, if it's got a strap, uh, this is uh, a way to do it. And, um, and it like this lock is like, I got to work to open this thing. So 
So there you go. That's uh, that's the clip it case for air tags from Catalyst. And then I got a goodie bag from the lovely folks at Spec who have also made a ton of different air tags um, things, uh, cases and accessories. We will call them the uh, the first one up is their carabiner which your AirTag fits in the middle of. And it has a, it's a metal case with obviously a, a plastic sleeve for your AirTag to snap into. And then uh, it's got a metal, you know, D kind of D style hook that you can clip on to just about anything you want, which is cool. Um, they have these things, John called the silly loops, S I L I loop. And uh, it's built to put your AirTag in at the bottom on one end. It's a, it's like a, it's an oval, we'll call it. Um, it's made of rubberized, stretchy material. The air tag fits in the bottom, uh, a circular part at the bottom. And then there's this big oval loop that you can use to like loop onto your your devices or your backpack or anything like your you could you could use this with luggage, but I have something for you uh, for that. So that's the silly loop, and that's. Uh, I think a case, a, a box of them or a pack of them, I should say, is like f- uh, 45 bucks. Then they have, and I'm looking at the name here so that I can tell you, the Silly Ring, which this is the thing you might want for your keys, folks, because you you have this little plastic uh, case that you pop your AirTag into, and then it has a thin cable uh, that would be thin enough to go through your keys or really anything else. And you could pop uh, your keys on this. It's got a, a screw at the at the end, which I, of course, can't see because I have a light in my eyes so that you can see me nicely. But uh, but suffice to say, it unscrews and you can put your keys on this thing. So that's that's the silly ring. And then, as promised, the Luggage Tag Pro for twenty nine ninety five, as their website says, it's a um, it looks like a carbon fiber style. Uh, case that you put your air tag in and then it closes magnetically uh, to keep things safe. And then the luggage tag does the rest by keeping it closed. But the nice part is it's not metal in any way. So it does not block the signal of your air tag. So you can put it in a sort of a traditional luggage tag that would be on the outside of your luggage uh, and giving you all the range that you would want. And so all those, those last four things for from spec, the first one was from Catalyst, and, uh, and of course, we'll have links to all these things in the show notes at MacGeekCab.com. So that's what we got. All right. Were they at the show? Or is this a... Uh, no, Spec wasn't at the show. They, they were at the online Pepcom, which was... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a week before or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but they had those, so, yeah. Okay. But uh, love their cases. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got some cases to talk about too. But we'll do that in a future show. We got we got lots of stuff to get through today. So mm-hmm. you found uh, you you came across a cool stuff. Well, not a cool stuff. It was a cool stuff found, but it's a cool stuff made because a Mac Keycap listener made it, huh, John? Right. Um, From Allison. Oh, isn't yes. that next oh, on the sorry. list? Hold on. That's okay. Yep, here we are. That's okay. <laughs> no, it's right in front of me. Um, okay, so Allison. Uh, who does the uh, Nasillacast podcast um, and sends in all sorts of great information, um, says, I was trying to get straight in my head all of the different configuration options for the new M1 Pro 
and Max Max and decided to make a diagram. I think this could be really helpful for people trying to sort through the options in a visual way. My final count, if you include color, is 180 distinct combinations. Um, this, these are the so, things I love Allison for. This is amazing. So we will uh, we will link to that article. Um, the, the only thing that made me chuckle is I reflected on how... Remember in the battle days? Remember the performer, Dave? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think they also had about 180 models of it. Hmm. This was in the age where, yeah, Apple had way too many models of, of Macs. Um, and then, you know, Steve came along and said, you know, we're going to have these four quadrants. And uh, they've kind of deviated from, well, I don't know if they deviated is, much from that. I, I think you're, I don't know, man. Like, I think that's a stretch. This is, this is just the processor, right? I mean, it's not, I, I mean, I get, I, I sure. <laughs> And you're right. It is confusing. So in that sense, yes, it's like the performance days, but I, I think it's pretty straightforward what you're getting. Whereas with the performance, it was like, what's the difference between the 630 and the 650? And it was like, uh, I think I'm having trouble hearing you. I need to hang up now. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to pull this up, but maybe somebody else linked to uh, Allison's article because her website's been super slow this morning, but I think it's coming up. Yeah. The, um, the 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 tree of this really it's you know you've got you've got um two cp two cpu core options you're either getting an eight core or a 10 core and the only way you could get an eight core is with the m1 pro on the lowest lowest end and then you've got gpus going from 14 core through 16 and 24 core all the way up to 32 core the last two being of course for the m1 max and then RAM from 16 to 64 power. And, and then there's the power adapter options and all that good stuff, of course. And then disc options to, if you want to go up to the eight terabyte drive. So yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, actually a uh, short story, but I was in line for customer support the other day at the store and the guy behind me saw my jacket and he's like, Oh, you went to Macworld? Uh, I, I still have my jacket when I spoke at Mac. Oh, nice. Decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was like, so what do you think of the M1 Mac? And I'm like, oh, wow. And he was like, um, and his comment was, you know, uh, I'm a graphic designer. Oh. And having more RAM is better. But he's still, for what he does, it's still not enough. So that's all I'm going to say. Hmm. Uh, we, it was good to get feedback from a literal man on the street. And, uh, he might be a little old it. informed man, uninformed man. I, okay. I, I'm not, well, I, you know, because you and I had this conversation uh, about the, 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 the differences in the architecture of the M1 system on a chip versus Intel and comparing the two, mm -hmm. especially in terms of the amount of RAM or the amount of, of VRAM, as we used to call it, it, it starts mm -hmm. to get to be really, it, like mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of comparison there. It's it's not completely different, but it's also not, not anywhere near the same, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it is shared memory, right? It's unified memory. So there right. is no, there's no movement between the CPU mm -hmm. and the GPU, right? Right. So that, which is huge. So yeah, I have a feeling that if that, if the guy you talked to tried to use one of these M1, even just an M1 Mac, he might find himself. Well, I think he said he got one and uh, the first generation. Yeah. And I guess wasn't entirely satisfied. Mm. 
the performance. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the GPUs on these new ones are smoking. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, we have more to talk about, including my new MacBook Pro, which we've talked about a little bit, but I'll, I'll sort of wrap that up. But, uh, the next thing I want to do is talk about our, our next two sponsors, if that works for you, Mr. Braun. Yes. All right. First up, Text Expander 7 from Smile is now available for download. I've been using this latest update for a little bit. It brings a fresh new experience that makes Text Expander easier to navigate so that anyone and everybody can use it. And it's all wrapped up in this whole new streamlined look and feel. In this version, you'll discover a new interface that's easier to use, more responsive, and offers a few functional improvements to make Text Expander a more interactive and engaging product. Text Expander 7 includes enhanced snippet suggestions, which is amazing, improved conflict management, better accessibility, and more. You got to, I've been, like I said, I've been using this, the, the interface, especially with the, like the pop-ups and stuff where you have, uh, if you've got fields in there that you are entering as you're doing your snippet, like the interactive part of it, it works like it worked great before. And now it's even more seamless and you got to go check this out. Go check out what's new in text expander seven by getting text expander today and being a show listener here to Mac geek. You get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpandercom slash podcast to learn more. And our thanks to text expander and smile for sponsoring this episode. Hey, are you looking for a healthier energy option to help you power through that 2 p.m. feeling? You know that 2 p.m. feeling when it's like, oh, man, I don't I, I, I know I have more to do, but I don't have the energy to do it. Well, Napjitsu, our sponsor here, has natural time-released ingredients that help keep you energized for hours without that crash. Because Napjitsu's natural supplements were made by people who know how it feels to be tired and busy. Their patent-pending formulas have natural ingredients like B vitamins, guarana, ginseng, those kinds of things to give you a boost of energy without that crash later. And each Napjitsu product provides brain-boosting nootropics to unlock steady energy right when you need it. The result? Your peak performance all day long. I've tried these things out. It actually, they, they, for me, it works. Napjitsu supplements are packaged into these small little packets so you can take them wherever and whenever you need that little energy boost. And it's pretty cool. So whether you need to experience deeper sleep or unlock immediate lasting energy, each Napjitsu product is designed to help you achieve your optimal performance. Remember, the smart rest more, the wise rest better. Rest up and level up with Napjitsu, and for a limited time, receive 30% off your first purchase when you go to napjitsu.com slash MGG. Go to napjitsu.com slash MGG for 30% off your first purchase today. That's N-A-P-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash MGG, and our thanks to Napjitsu for sponsoring this episode. So I got this new M1 MacBook Pro. I ordered it on release day, John, uh, or announcement day, I should say. Mm -hmm. And I opted, I chose the option on the right when you go to customize. I wanted a 14-inch, uh, and you can choose the option on the left, which is an 8-core GPU, 8-core CPU, 14-core GPU, 16 gig, 512, that's where it starts. And the option on the right on Apple's site is the 10 core CPU. I thought, oh, I want to let's go with the 10 core CPU, which meant because I chose the right path, the the, the path on the right, not necessarily the correct path, uh, that I got the 16 core GPU. 
I didn't really care if I had the 14 core GPU or the 16 core GPU. I wanted the 10 core CPU. I could have, as per Allison's chart that we mentioned uh, just before, I could have chosen the left path and upgraded only the CPU uh, to 10 cores, leaving the GPU on on 14 cores and saved myself 200 bucks. I, I, I did not take that path. Quite frankly, I didn't know that path existed. So maybe you're right. Maybe we are in the performer days of choosing your uh, your system on a chip <laughs> with the M1. Yep. But I did go with the M1 Pro, uh, 10 core CPU, 16 core GPU, uh, one terabyte storage, which is sort of the default for the rightmost path. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went with 32 gigs of unified memory. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I, and so because of that, even though I was ordering right away, as soon as I changed it, it when I was at 16 gigs of memory, it's like it's going to be delivered on the 27th, which was release day. Great. Uh, as soon as I changed it to 32, it's like, yep, you're going to be a week later. Great. So that would mean it's coming. Uh, this show's coming out on Monday the 1st. So it was going to come on Tuesday the 2nd. Uh, it came on Thursday the 29th. Uh, Thanks to the uh, the FedEx uh, gods or whatever it was that caused this to happen. And I, I migrated over immediately and have been using it ever since, as I mentioned earlier in the show, because uh, I wiped the other one. I I brought this one down to your place when, you know, for, for this trip, it, that was my first little travel with it, obviously. Wait, no, it didn't come on Thursday because I left on Thursday. It came on Wednesday, the 28th, didn't it? Yeah. So it came six days early, which is great. It is fast. I, but... For what I do, I cannot tell that it is, you know, twice as fast or more as my M1 Air previously. It like it 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 acts exactly the same because that machine is probably five times faster than I would normally notice anywhere, normally need anyway. And so for this one to be 10 times faster than what I normally need doesn't really make any difference at all. It starts up super fast. It wakes up. Super fast. <laughs> it's it's just fast. It is, How about the fans? I have not been able to get the fans to turn on even when running Geekbench. So don't know what that's about. Um, but I did run Geekbench to prove to myself that, yes, it comes in with scores mm -hmm. of like, you know, 16,000 or something crazy like that. Uh, so like it's so fast that I'm not sure I'm going to keep it. Uh, I will stay in the family. Uh, my son is a CS uh, student at Reed, and he also needs a new machine. He's using a 2018 Air, uh, which is the dual core with with hyper threading, um, which is fine. But he's starting to see some of the limitations of that, especially when doing compiles and things like that. So it makes sense to get him a new machine. We were going to get him a new M1 Air. I may wind up, he hasn't heard this yet. Uh, I may wind up just gifting this to him and getting myself another M1 Air since my M, my old M1 Air is going to my daughter. Uh, so technically my kids will have hand-me-down computers, but this one um, would be a really nice hand-me-down for anybody to get right now. Uh, and it's certainly more than he needs too, but I think he'll get more use out of it than me. We'll see. I, I do like the screen on this. A, the screen is just gorgeous. And B, it's bigger. But... But it has a notch. Um, as we mentioned in the last show, like the the conceptually, the notch really doesn't bother me. I like the fact that we're making use of that previously unused 
space, right? Because we, we, you know, the space that the camera occupies was unused across the entire horizon of the screen. Right. right? And, and so now it just raises up. That would all be fine. If the, if the things that would spill over into where the notch was could be used, but in, I, I am at a loss. The for OS words. doesn't understand it yet. It sort of understands it, but what it does is it punts. And by that, I mean, if you have menu bar items that move into where the notch would be, you don't get to see them. That's it. No, nothing. Is they just, you know, meh, we're just going to not show those to you ever. Thank goodness. Bartender. They haven't done an update specifically for, Oh, they are working on notch supports. I literally just launched it and it says there's notch support. So I don't know what that means. Um, because I haven't installed it yet and we're doing the show literally right now. Uh, but I did turn on an option in bartender at MacBartender.com saying use bartender bar to show hidden items. And so instead of it showing me the hidden items in the menu bar, it drops down a separate bar to see them. So I can at least see all my overflow stuff if I manage things properly. So at least there's that I guarantee within a week, we will see an update from Apple that be, at least begins to address this because it happens from the other side, too. If you have menu, menu uh, menus that spill over into where the notch is, it's just flabbergasting to me that this shipped this way. Like, I, it, I don't get it. Like, I'm, my wife said, and I don't know that I agree with this or not, but it was a, a an apt sentiment. This would never have happened if Steve was in charge. And she might be right about that. So, um yeah, it, it's a it's a wonderful machine. Um, I've been, you know, obviously very, very happy with it. I'm trying to pull up my notes for it here, which don't seem to be uh, anywhere in in it because I but it is, you know, it is chunkier than the previous, you know, than my air. Technically, it's thinner than my air at my air's thickest point, but not by much. It's um it maxes out or it is six point point six one inches thick, whereas the air, you know, sort of fans up to a point six three inches. It is heavier than the air. Obviously, it's three and a half pounds versus two point eight, but it's not heavy by any stretch. It's very well balanced and it's you know, it's no seven pound monster like we had uh, when I got it. I noticed two interesting things, John. The first was that it identified itself on my network as MBP 14 inch 2021. That was the DHCP client ID that it sent along when it grabbed its IP address for migration assistant to do its job uh, on the network. Mm -hmm. The other thing, which was a pleasant surprise, is that my air was on 12.0.1 um, because that's how you upgrade to Monterey. Even though I was in the beta cycle, I got off of the beta cycle and, and just did the normal upgrade. Uh, my MacBook Pro came with 12.0 on it. Uh, hmm. which is interesting. And it allowed the migration assistant migration to happen. No Rosetta apps would launch until I did the update to 1201. Don't know what that's about, but if anybody finds themselves in that same scenario, make sure you're on 1201. And, uh, and then I, I should say no Intel apps would launch, but it's a really nice machine. The keyboard is like butter. That may be the reason that I keep it, um, is is that keyboard not that the m1 airs keyboard is bad but this is definitely nicer um it's a little 
more spread out. Like I found myself initially uh, typing the wrong letters because I was I, like was moving quickly like I would have on my air. But it's a wonderful machine, uh, obviously. And, and it's, you know, it, it's pretty and does all the things that it does. But it's and it's got all those ports, you know, which which I think is mm-hmm. great. I would love to have a USB-A port on it. I know I'm not going to get one, but uh, if we're going to have ports, I, I would like USB-A uh, because it's the thing that we all use the most when we're not using USB-C. Like HDMI is good, but it's not. I get why they put it on here. It totally makes sense for the graphics pros and all that stuff. Like 100% understood. And I and for the same reason, I agree with the the the, the SD card slot. Like go talk to the photography folks. They want that. Great. But I would love. I think we all would have loved a uh, a USB A port. Of course, you can you can dongle it up, but you know that's that's how it is. So, question is, will I keep it? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, John. Yep, I, I thought I saw something about Better Touch Tool offering some notch support. Ah. I can't find the article, but people are already recognizing the issue and oh, updating yeah. their software. It's just crazy to me that we're still in this world. Like, I, I don't, it's just baffling to me that, that Apple shipped it this way. But again, yeah. my guess I mean, is. It, it, it doesn't bother me on my phone because it understands how to deal with it. Correct. Correct. Although initially there were some issues with that, right? So, mm-hmm. so oh, sure. Yeah, they'll get there. All right. We have time for, we're going to make time for. Uh, a question or two here. You want to take us to gray, John, and uh, and we'll we'll because we talked about iCloud Private Relay earlier in the episode, so I figure we'll, we'll oh yeah we'll stretch oh, another minute or two and, um, and talk about this. So, uh, gray, gray, gray. There he is, iCloud. All right, we got an experience here. Um, uh, I subscribe to a New York Times. Cooking newsletter, which contain lists of recipes each week. The HTML emails contain links to the cooking section of the Times containing details of the recipe. Cool. When I downloaded iOS 15, I activated Private Relay. I noticed that clicking on a newsletter recipe no longer took you to the Times cooking section. It simply generated a Google search containing keywords for the recipe listing. After some head scratching, I remember Private Relay deactivated it and restarted my iPhone. The links work normally. The explanatory description of Private Relay does say that some websites may not work. And this is true. Huh. Um, that's so here's my response. Um, so that's a good data point. Beta indeed. Um, and then it was like, you know what? Now that Monterey is out, I'm wondering if Private Relay behaves the same way. Um, and Apple has a support article explaining all of this stuff here. Um, and there are various uh, things you can fiddle with, but um, and, and they also have a way where you can enable or disable Private Relay for each network. So if it's on Dave, and then you go into your network and click on the little I, the little info, you can enable it and disable it for for both your Wi-Fi and your cellular network. So you're so they're offering some level of granularity but not enough I think for yet. Yeah, that's true, right? You yeah. Yeah. 
But you know, here, here's the kicker. Go ahead. So, yeah. So I suggested uh, try it out on Montre, and guess what? Works fine on Montre for him as well. Yes, because I think a lot of this is going to be location based too, right? It's it's we're we're all yeah. going to have different experiences as as this sort of settles in. So yeah, right. Well, their 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 settings are. Let me see. Um, so iCloud private relay IP address location. You can you can select maintain general location or use country and time zone. Right, right. So I'm wondering if that setting was different on Monterey, and that's why it worked for him. Who knows? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I mean, I tried it. It's, uh, I mean, it works. You know, I went to what is my IP and it was different. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> so we we are getting reports here, John, about something that the folks in, uh, in the chat room. So there's, there's three people working on this for us. We've got Warren, we've got Dave Ginsburg and Paul Franz. About there's a knowledge base article that we will definitely put in the show notes. This is all late breaking here, at least as far as we're aware. Um, the, the knowledge base article is how to adjust an app's settings to appear below the camera area on your 14 inch or 16 inch MacBook Pro. It goes on to say you can adjust an app setting so that it uses the whole display or uses only the area below the camera housing. So this is oh. essentially avoid the notch, right? And uh, oh. right. yeah, so I'm going to quit a third-party app. And the way you do this is you go in the finder to the app. You go to get info. And then there is an option in the info panel that says scale to fit below built-in camera. So I've checked that for, for Slack. And of course, we're not recording on an M1 machine, so I can't show you this. And uh, it doesn't seem to change anything. So the menu bar is still up where the menu bar is. I'm not sure what this is going to do. If you turn it on for an app and the app has menu bar items or windows that would appear behind the camera housing. Ah, so you need something that would go full width of the menu or more than half width. All open apps or apps that share the same space appear below the camera until you quit the app using the scaled setting. Okay, so this is doing this dynamically, but only if you turn it on and tell it to do so. I'm not sure that I've seen – the only thing that I've seen spill into the menu bar is uh, uh, menu items, which are on the right side of the screen. and and But it's going to only happen dynamically if you have an app – that would spill into that. So that's interesting. I'm not sure that's the most elegant solution to this. And of course it doesn't appear to address the menu bar issues, but, um, but that's, um, you know, it's something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, they call it, I mean, they will never call it a notch. Let's be fair. <laughs> but you know, when they say to fit below, what are they? The camera housing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the notch is the camera housing. Thanks for oh. uh, thanks for that apple. Nice. Right? I mean, you know, okay. Okay. Um I I know we're spilling over a little bit here and and of all of us, I'm the one that has the least amount of time here on recording day cuz we're actually recording on Halloween. I have a, a rehearsal this afternoon and a gig tonight. But I want to I want to address Kathy's question here, John, about RAM, how much RAM to get in your new MacBook Pro cuz I think that's going to be relevant to folks sooner rather than later. So if you'll take us to Kathy, I would appreciate it. Okay. Yep. So Kathy says, 
I've read and received differing opinions regarding whether or not it would be beneficial to upgrade the RAM in a new 14-inch MacBook Pro from the basic 16 to 32 gigabytes, especially for the purpose of future planning. I'm also wondering if it would be worthwhile to upgrade from 512 gigabytes to 1 terabyte, I would assume for the hard drive, um, or SSD. Um, This would not be for professional use. Could you please address these questions in your podcast? Sure. I'll give you my opinion, and then you're going to give us your opinion, Dave. Um, I don't know. Personally, I found that 16 gigabytes and a one ter- 16 gigabytes of RAM and a one terabyte SSD is is what I have on both my machines here for day to day work, and and I'm I'm just fine. Um, but I have heard from some friends that do heavy heavy lifting that 16 gigabytes isn't quite enough. Um, some of them would get like 128 gigabytes for, for doing some really, you know, like mathematical simulations and, and heavy duty graphics and stuff. But, um, um, you know, the, the newer chips now you can get either 32 or 64 gigabytes. So, uh, so that may help. Um, you know, I mean, get as, I think you'll be okay with 16 gigs, but you know, get as much as you can afford. Um, as for storage, same thing. Get as much as you can afford. I, I found one terabyte for what I do is um, is a good size. Uh, the The largest thing that I have, Dave, is my photo library, which I like to store the full resolution of my machine, and it's about 150 gigabytes. So that mm. takes up a good chunk of the SSD. So I don't think I would be happy, and and I feel bad for like we we've had some listeners write in and saying you know like I got a two fifty six gigabyte SSD and now I'm running out of space and it's like eh, that's too small in my opinion. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, your experience with, with you know with your machine, I I'd like you to share. So yeah, I, I think, think sixteen and one is is reasonable but yeah on 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 storage size so ssd size it really is personal preference right like i i operate just fine with 512 i did mostly okay with 256 for a very long time i i store my photos only on one of my macs not on all of my macs so i'm happy to turn on the optimized storage you know on my portable and it's worked out totally fine without any issue um so doing that i and the same with my icloud library has made it so that I can live in 512. As I noted, I got one terabyte with this one, but that was only because that's what I wound up with. If I really went through, I could like, you know, cherry pick my way, you know, to Allison's point through one of the whatever hundred and something options and, and get the 512 with the 10 core CPU and the only the 14 core GPU and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, And probably save myself quite a bit of money as it turns out now that I'm thinking about it, but you know, I had to move quickly. In terms of her question, I, I think your answers are irrelevant uh, because she's well, because she's asking about M1 and you're yes. answering about Intel. And I think it's really important that we, you know, as, if we, as we live in this bifurcated world uh, for the next couple of years, that we, we really add some intention to both the way we ask our questions, but also the way we answer our questions, because it. The two are so remarkably different. The architectures are so different that like what we what we know definitively works for Intel is, you know, just a sort of a a, a footnote for what we're going to talk about with M1. And 
I have found it's been weird with M1. We've gotten lots of reports with from folks who had eight gigabyte M1 machines that if you open lots of browser tabs, that's the thing that for general purpose use is going to be the thing that runs you into a memory issue. And it's bizarre that, you know, we we could do that with our web browsers, but that's, you know, web pages are super complex now. They can be, they aren't all. And so, it, you know, it makes sense. So I would say 16 with these M1 machines is, is where I would start. Although there's plenty of people out there, including power users. We've got Warren in the chat room saying that, you know, his uh, M1 Air has eight and he's doing fine with that. Uh, but, you know, he probably manages his tabs uh, well. He uses probably Safari instead of Chrome, although we've heard about these reports uh, with Safari specifically. So it is totally possible to, to you know, gum up a, an M1 8 gigabyte Air with or M1 anything with lots of Safari tabs. You don't even need a third party browser. But um, but, you know, it, like so 16 is where I think I would recommend most people start. Uh, but I'm probably being, I'm probably overkill on that. The way the M1 manages memory is, is remarkably different. I, like I said, I opted for 32. I'm not sure I will need it. I'm not sure my son will ever need it or use it. Um, and so I, you know, our, our advice lands in the same spot, uh, it, for 16 gigs, you know, and, um, but, it, but, it, but again, as we find out more and just have more and more experience with the M1 family of chips, that's going to come into focus for all of us better. We don't really know. You know, what we have is a lot of anecdotal experience, which is all we've ever had with Intel. But enough of that. I know the plural of anecdote is not data, but the plural of enough anecdotes becomes data. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, or it becomes the best that we have. And I, like we just don't have enough with the M1 yet, I think. So yeah, and Dave Ginsburg, another power user uh, here in the chat room, is saying he's got an eight gig M1 Mac Mini, and it's perfectly fine for him. See, so I, it's just like it's it's so, that, so we continue to share these these tidbits of information, and and um, please keep sharing yours with us because that's how we're gonna get to a point where we actually understand what's what's the right yep. answer here now, i don't the thing is if I, if I recall properly dave there is a return window there is oh i got i think i've got 14 days that i could return this machine uh i'm not going to I, it will it, mm-hmm. it my like i said it'll either be mine or my son's and so yeah yeah right so you know hey you know get one you know load True. it up uh kick the tires for you know, a week. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's not for you, then send it back. Send it back. That's what it's there for. That's right. And then you start filling up the, the, um, the, the, uh, refurb pipeline, which is, you know, something we'll all need down the road. So that's good. Uh, right. You know, but cause I, if I, well, whichever I, I will be buying an M1 air either for me or for my son, depending on the fate of, of the, the MacBook pro I have. And I will, uh, unless I can't, I will certainly be buying that on refurb. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's good. All right. We went a little longer than usual. Thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for hanging out with us. This has been a fun one. Lots of stuff. We didn't get to half the things we wanted to get to. Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I, I, Warren in the chat room is is rooting for my son to get this MacBook Pro, and he's probably right. The question is, will I get too enamored with the screen to be able to go back? That's the question. So, <sighs> yeah, well, isn't this screen what mini LED they call it or something like that, or is, it, is this some new technology or? Yeah, what is that? That's a good question. I have I have the specs up here. Oh shoot, I had them up here. Uh, buy a 14-inch MacBook Pro. Here we are. I had them up. Where are the tech specs? Learn more. Tech specs. Yeah, what is that screen? The display is Apple's calling it a liquid retina screen, 3024 by 1964 native. This is on the 14-inch. Thousand uh, nits sustain, 1600 peak brightness. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. They aren't talking about what the tech is. Uh, but yeah, I, you could be right about that. Yeah. The um the power take a look at the images folks on Apple site or anywhere of the keyboard. The the touch ID sensor is in the same spot that it's been on the air, but it's not like this gl- separate glass thing. It just sort of fits into the aesthetic of the keyboard now and it's it's its own full key. So, works well. I like it. It's all good. All right, do we have anything else, John? It's time to get out of here. Yep. It's time to uh, turn off the lights and get the garden hose. (laughs) That's right. For those kids that are going to be on my lawn. (laughs) I think I suggest getting the full-size candy bars and handing them out uh, uh, generously. So that those little kids grow into big kids that don't want to, like, TP your yard. Egg your house. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Make sure to uh, go check out all of our sponsors. You can visit at macgeekab.com slash sponsors, of course. And then there were the sponsors we mentioned in the episode. Coinbase.com slash MGG. Uh, where you get 10 bucks in free Bitcoin. Promo code MGG at imperfectfoods.com saves you 20% off your first four orders. Textexpander.com slash podcast saves you 20% off your first year's subscription. And napjitsu.com slash MGG saves you 30% off your first purchase today. And I agree with Dave. Give out full size, not fun size, because you don't want to get caught. Made up.